yeah so for today I want to talk about borderline it's something I feel like it's one of the mental states issues with mental health that we have that people are really afraid to talk about um, I had some encounters with borderline before I knew myself that I had borderline and I was like I was I said shit it's difficult to not say like I did not have the most I didn't didn't have the best and positive experiences with the relationships that I had with people who had borderline and those people had a way to make me feel and very 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 strongly and if I would have known I myself had borderline then I would have known why I reacted so strongly to the way that they were so uh, some people have never heard the word either and um, they don't know they haven't heard the word they don't know what it is so I wanted to look into actually what it is or just read a little bit um, I'm gonna drop a link and I will put that in the description later um, when I make a video and make the podcast but I'm gonna drop that link there uh, but I'm reading this from uh, the University of Iowa I Iowa's hospital and clinics I found that this one was very easy to understand um, about what it is but they wrote from the fourth edition of the diagnostic and statistical manual uh, which also is used to diagnose all mental disorders describes borderline personality disorder um, like this and you have to have at least following five of, of these um, descriptions worry about abandonment and going to extremes to keep someone from leaving unstable stormy relationships with major shifts in the thinking about another person such as believing someone is loyal friend to believing the person is untrustworthy or hurtful. Unstable self-image shifting from feeling confident about who you are to feeling like you're evil or don't even exist. Self-damaging impulsive behaviors such as substance abuse, binge eating, reckless spending or other behaviors that can lead to serious consequences. Frequent suicidal thoughts, threats, attempts or self-hurting behaviors such as cutting. Rapidly changing intense moods. Feelings of emptiness intense anger that may lead to physical fights or destruction of property. During times of stress, he or she may believe others are intentionally trying to make life difficult for them. At other times, they may feel like they're losing touch with reality. And um, yeah, are people born with borderline? That's also a very common question. And from what I've read on everything that I say today is obviously things that I have read. And, but yeah, from what, what I have gathered, no, you're not born with borderline, but you can be born with, you know, the ability to get it. If you have uh, family members that have different um, mental health issues, like suffer with depression or if they're bipolar or things like that, um, it's easier for you to get, to become, to get borderline, become to get to get borderline to get the diagnosis and uh, also it's it stems from a tr it can come from a troubled childhood or 
It can come from a troubled childhood or a neglect or just some traumatic events or how people, other people with borderline might be able to trigger it in you, uh, depending if you have that tendency to get it. So it's not really something that you're born with and you can't get the diagnosis until you're 17. So even if you have all of these, um, I think you have to be at least 17 years old to get the diagnosis for this. So even if you have all of these things in high school or in earlier, then you can't really get any that specific treatment for it. Um, so that's something that's... I, I don't know why it is like that. I haven't looked up why it is like that. Um, but yeah, that's... I know for me when it started, uh, I didn't then, but it was, def it was definitely in high school. Uh, I had all of these things were super, super, super strong in me when I was in high school. I was... Um, always I was very 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 afraid of being abandoned even not even only in high school it was in um, actually before in was when I was in ninth grade in Sweden um, that's when you were 15 it's right before you start high school um, my sister was moving to Norway and she had been my solid rock through my whole life. She had been like, in a way, how you imagine a mother should be, or if you think a parent is your strength, a parent is the one that takes care of you, your parent is the one who, you know, does everything for you, who's your pillar, who's your rock that you can always lean on. That's what a parent should be and that's how what my sister was for me she was always my rock I could always lean on her when things happened she was always there for me she never judged me even if I did wrong things if I cheated on someone or she never gave me any harm words but she always she always she was always caring but she could also talk to me and tell me maybe you should think about this is this really right is this wrong but she knew but she was essentially always there for me and really solid and she moved to Norway when I was right before I started high school and she wasn't very old she was 18 the year she turned 19 um, and for me it was like if a child is abandoned by their mother when they're 16 or 15 even like like if um, a child but if you're abandoned by your parent if your parent leaves you and moves away and leaves you to fend for your own when you're 16 that's a really big big deal that people would take really seriously but if your sister moves away no one is like oh well you know she's just right around the corner but for me she was my pillar and my rock so it was very very um it's a very big deal for me when she moved and I got into high school and I got these new relationships with new friends and I had always had some weird friendships I'd say because I never felt, I was never popular. I was always friends with the popular kids and I was, I was not bullied, but because I was a very loud person, people, and I never showed that I got hurt. My way of, of, you know, fending for myself was to not show that I got upset, to not show that I get angry. I was always laughing, joking, you know, an essential clown. And people always thought because I didn't care they could always do whatever they wanted they could treat me the way they wanted and and I remember when uh, right before when I, I lost con contact with my best friend that I had um, when I was younger 
and um, I remember she wrote to me something that she was embarrassed to hang out with me and my friends because of how we looked kind of that she wasn't really or how I interpreted it when I read it was that I was too ugly to be friends with and my friends the other ones that I used to hang out with or like my boyfriend's friends they were too ugly too because they were like metalheads so they didn't fit what she wanted out of life for her friends so she just ended our relationship like that and that to me when I then got to um, and we had always this kind of typical what you see in movies frenemies relationships in our school like we like in our school where you chose sides and there was always drama between like between the girls who were the leaders the most popular girls and i was always in between um those and like i said never the popular one <laughs> and when I then started high school my sister had just left so I didn't have any references I didn't have anyone to talk to and you know share what I was learning I got these new friends and I remember that one of them said that I'm gonna teach you how real friends act I'm gonna teach you how real friends are you're finally gonna get real friends and I did we became best friends and she did so many amazing things for me that you know Uncondition unconditional friendship in a sense, but she was very controlling and I think she has borderline too um, Or had that she had borderline even if she didn't when we were she had very similar tendencies when we were growing up So I'm not saying that she had but she had very similar tendencies because the thing with borderline is it's It's a personality disorder, so it's everyone can relate to all of the criteria it's just when they are very extreme like i said you need to have five five of them so if you just have four of these criteria does that mean that you're less borderline than someone is five you, you suffer less no you still suffer the same amount and there's still help that help that you can get even if you don't get that um diagnosis because that's the thing with borderline there's not any medication that you get um like here here's a pill it treats borderline um the thing that you can get is uh, medication for depression or anxiety because you usually you're usually depressed and have lots of anxiety when you have borderline so there is no uh medication for that and that's something that i find really good because that means that the tools that you learn when you get treated for borderline and the tools that you get are tools that everyone can apply even if you don't have this but you suffer from one of these things or maybe all of them but not to the to an extent that you would get the diagnosis because that's the thing you need to have it needs to affect your life in a certain way and it needs to have actually big impact on your life so um yeah <sighs> anyway my sister left and when I got these friends she was <laughs> these friends they were gonna like I said they were gonna teach me how a, how a real friend should be so every time that my friend told me something that was supposed to be you know I hadn't have any I hadn't had any real good friend relationships earlier so I assumed that what she said was true and I assumed that what she said was the rule so even when they conflicted with what I was feeling myself I didn't want to let her down I didn't want to make her disappointed so I 
I just accepted everything she said and I always tried to fit into her frame of what a friend should be. I'm sorry about the kids screaming outside. It's summer, it's super warm, I have to have the window open. So we had totally different frames of what a friend should be and what is a good friend, but because I didn't have as many experiences she had, she acted as her way was the only way. And I didn't have my sister to talk to about this and see, is she right? Is what she's saying the only thing that matters or am I right to have these emotions myself? And I think if my sister would have lived in Sweden while I was in high school, I would have been able to I wouldn't have been so swept up in all of this. I wouldn't have been so swept up in my friends because you kind of need someone that can keep your feet on the ground when your emotions take over and having... I had ADHD too, which I didn't know. And ADHD is being impulsive and borderline is also working on those impulses or just impulsive behaviors. So I had just many things that were just lots and lots and lots of impulsive behaviors. And you need someone to be able to say, hey, 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 calm down, what's going on when your impulses are taking over? And if you've had lots of treatment and if you have tools to work with, then you can be that person and you can be the person for yourself to, to say, hey, 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 calm down. But if you don't have that and never have that, you kind of need that pillar in your life and I didn't have that so for me I think my borderline really developed around there between when high school started somewhere they always had those tendencies didn't want to let people down always tried to you know make everyone happy taking care of everyone but myself when I was growing up but right there when right there was this there was a switch there when when it kind of took over me and I went I did everything to kind of place this friend that I had and things just escalated and escalated and when I was in Norway you know we talked about this when I was talking or I talked about this when I was talking about um, the troubles I had with alcohol in my early 20s and deciding to stop to drink and that's also a part of if you have borderline it's substance abuse that is something that usually comes along and that's also something that usually comes along with ADHD so I had many things and many impulses that were, many things were working against me so when I think where I am now I get so surprised that I've managed to get to where I am today because I I don't know I, I have struggled so much and it has been borderline was what defined me for so long and even when I didn't know that I had it because I didn't realize that I had borderline till 2015 and I got the diagnosis in 2012 so the diagnosis for borderline is oh the other word for it is I read it earlier today as well but it's emotional like unstable emotional disturbance disorder <laughs> something like that is the word in Norwegian and Swedish and <laughs> and uh, I got the diagnosis in Norwegian and then I got treated for it and I, re I remember I was sitting there talking to my psychiatrist or my, my therapist and I said oh I'm so happy that I don't have borderline because most of my conversations were talking about friends that might be suffering from similar things so 
And I was like, I'm so happy I don't have that because that seems like hell. And uh, she never interrupted me and said, hey, but you have that. I told you earlier. Another thing about uh, about Borderline, why also it's kind of, I think that's why it's called Borderline, is because you see everything in black and white. It's very, you have very strong emotions that can change instantly and they can change instantly and uh, you're on, you know, the borderline, you're in between. Either it's black or either it's white and you just go, there's nothing in between. There's no gray, gray zones. You can love someone one day and the next day you hate that person for very small reasons and it can't change this quickly. And that's one of the biggest issues is that you have such a turmoil with your emotions that it just goes up and down and it shifts and the smallest things can make you can make you uh, can make you flip from one emotion. Borderline and bipolar are kind of similar um, but for uh, when you're bipolar you can get medication specific to being bipolar and there, there are different stages so if you if you're bipolar you have you can be like bipolar 1 bipolar 2 and you can and that's you know those are the that's uh those are the the levels while with borderline you have there's so many nuances for borderline because there are nine criteria to get borderline but you can have five of those you only need five of those um you only need five of those to be uh, to get borderline, but those five can be totally different from another person has different five You need to just share one since they're nine one person with borderline can have five the other one has the other five or you just share one with each other so It's a very different and you can still For me since I have gotten so much therapy and worked so much with borderline it's not it's not I don't notice many things and many things that I've already I've already been able to deal with so in some situations you could call me free of it but in other situations um, I'm not at all and so it's a very big and it's a very big and broad uh, broad uh, disorder or, or you call it and usually when you have borderline you often have other other um, personality disorders. I have paranoid personality disorder and I have borderline. I also have ADHD. So, um, and usually when you have borderline, you have depression and anxiety. And it's a very scary, scare, scary thing that eight to 10% of people who have borderline end up die from suicide, according to um, the University of Iowa hospital and clinics but it's a very high number of people who actually die from suicide who have borderline it's a very it's a very 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 um, uh, tough thing to sit with and two to three percent of the general population has it um, so but yeah it's very things are very black and white and if you're bipolar you can get into a, a psychotic period that can go up to three months you can get psychotic and it doesn't really end it can go on for a really long time if you have borderline you don't get psychotic but you can get in psychotic moods that varies or you can get psychotic for three to five minutes so you get into this short psychosis for five minutes and then it's over and 
it's very it's because it's very intense you have a very extreme and intense uh emotional uh, emotions that just go very fast it escalates to a point where i i have I was, okay so i'm very good at controlling my um uh, my emotions i like i said i had lots of therapy for this and I've gotten a lot of tools on how to deal with different levels of anxiety and I've, I'm going to go through those tools later but, but an example for how we can get into a psychosis with borderline is if you don't have any tools and you get pushed to your limit and then you kind of click over that limit and then you can't stop yourself so I am a very manipulative and hurtful person and I get to know people on a very personal level because when I I don't have many friends I have the ability to make lots of friends who are just um, acquaintances but I don't see the value in that so I avoid that and I try to make real connections instead so I'm also very good at reading people so when I get a close connection to someone I read them very easily and I get to know I know what hurts them the most and I know what I know exactly what support to give them not exactly but and I'm exaggerating I'm a very big large point I know how to support them what to say the right things to say and the wrong things to say and when I get pushed above that point I tap I just snap and I lose all of my all of my love and genuine emotions and all of my sympathy and empathy just goes out the window and I'd know exactly what to say to make that person either feel insane like every I twist their words and I then make them feel like I know what to say to really hurt them the most I think it's because you want them you've gone into so much pain so you want the other person to feel the exact same pain that you do right now so that you're not alone in that dark so you just make the other person fall as hard as you can and there's another trait with borderline is that you can be very manipulative and controlling and that's probably the biggest issue that people have when they're in a relationship even it's friendship or if it's if it's friendship or, or a lovely relationship with someone that has borderline is that it can be very 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 intense i found some questions frequently asked questions or common questions on a blog and one question they had was how can people be normal um and then randomly crash so that you see uh, you have a friend or someone you love who's very healthy and they're happy and they're smiling and they're doing everything their life is totally together they study they work out they do everything so from the outside it looks like they have the perfect life and then suddenly they just crash and no one knows where it came from where where did that come from and a thing with borderline is that you feel very different from everyone else and you feel very lonely and you feel like everything is wrong with you most of the time and like nothing works and everyone is out to get you and hurt you in some way and you don't you also you probably always felt a little you know not like you didn't fit in so you want to fit in and you don't and you're in such turmoil all the time and you have so much abandonment abandonment issues so that you don't want to 
you don't want to lose people and you you have such a bad self-esteem that you think that if they get to know me properly they're gonna leave me because I'm not worth anything so if I actually get to know someone then they're not gonna like what they see they're not gonna love me so they're gonna leave so you hide everything you hide all of your emotions because you don't want to let people properly in so you hide that you don't feel fine and you hide that so but then at one point it reaches its peak and you just crash so it's not happening randomly it's been going on for months and months and months and months but this has been an inner turmoil for so long but you just you just didn't show it so it's not that if you know someone who randomly crashed if they have borderline if they're struggling with something else it doesn't matter it doesn't have to be that it came randomly you don't have to have borderline to relate to everything that i'm saying because there are nine different it's a personality disorder so basically it's borderline are traits that everyone has in their personality but you need to have like i said earlier you need to have five of these nine criteria but you need to meet them on many levels and but if you just have four you won't get the diagnosis that you have borderline but you still you know you may still suffer as much and with borderline you don't get a medication to treat it you treat it with therapy and work and you get tools to deal with your emotions so if you relate to everything even if you don't have borderline you can apply everything that you get in a borderline treatment to your life and yeah so with ADHD you have ADHD and you get you can get a medication that is for this with borderline you and the same with bipolar you can get medication for that but with borderline you can get antidepressants and you can get something for anxiety but it's nothing for borderline specifically i see it in many people i see it in a lot of people that i know i see i see it, it doesn't matter that they might have borderline but they may have it or they just have a, they're very close they're very close to it a crash like that doesn't come from nowhere it's something that's usually been brewing for a long time how can I support someone with borderline and people with borderline can be very very challenging I mean people in general can be challenging but now I'm just specifically talking about this because it's you know the podcast and especially if you get into that psychotic mode and the best thing if you have someone who is if you know if you're together with someone or you have a family member that you know have borderline then talk to the person about it but listen most of all listen because you never feel heard and sometimes you say things that out of affection like i have a reaction i hear something that i think means this so i say something angrily but if you actually manage to talk to this person and this person with borderline reaches out to you then just listen and don't put your own thoughts and say that this is wrong or oh wow that's crazy just listen because it's a very if you actually have borderline and you manage to push through and open up and say these things that you're suffering with if someone just washes them away it's gonna hurt you even more right so what I did back in the day when I didn't have any I didn't have any any treatment I, I was still been very I've, I've always been very open or for a long time I've been very open to my emotions and very analytical and like I said I read people easily so I can also read myself quite easily 
sometimes. I noticed things in myself. I knew that I had very difficult opening up to people, and I knew that when I get really upset, I can lash out or I don't. I can't speak at all. When I was younger, when I got upset, I could physically not speak. If someone asked me what's wrong, I couldn't speak. I couldn't open my mouth. I could see like really trying but i couldn't speak so when i was starting when i was starting to date someone and when it was starting to get a little serious i told them when a relationship starts to get serious for me i usually find a way to try and push them away i test their limits really i like i test their limits not knowingly i don't do it on purpose but i do things that might not be the best things to see how far i can push people to see if they will actually stay and I struggle a lot to talk about my emotions and I, I I struggle a lot to talk about my emotions and what I feel and I shut down and when I shut down I can't really get out from it so that's something I really struggle with if we get into a fight or if you start noting noticing that I am that I am pulling back don't play a game with me and think that I'm not interested in you and just because if you start pulling back then too, because maybe you get hurt because I don't answer texture as much as I used to, please don't do that. Because if you do that, I'm gonna feel like you don't like me even if I instigate it, and then I'm gonna pull back and I'm not gonna get in touch anymore. So if you know, if you still like me and you're still interested in me, and you notice that I pull back and I start texting less and I might get angry or annoyed with you, then know that this is a process for me from stepping over to like, I start to like you more and I'm stepping over from this little going from, you know, it's starting to get serious for me. So just know that that might happen. And I tell them that when, you know, I tell them in the beginning, I, I know this is an issue already. So I say that, and that's not the easiest thing to say, but I know then that when that moment comes, that person is a lot better equipped to deal with that and the relationship might not end because I randomly disappear or start getting mean or stuff. And so communication, that's the biggest, your biggest asset with Borderline. And it's the most difficult, it's so hard, like, stop saying like, I'm also trying not to say like all the time. It's extremely difficult, but you have to really force yourself and I tried but I usually since I always wanted to please people and I was very afraid of abandonment not feeling good enough I kind of got together with everyone who liked me so and then maybe six months in I just changed my mind I realized huh, I was probably not ever in love with this person so I just changed my mind like that and then I was over that person and walked away and that is one thing if you if you if you read about uh, borderline as well it says unstable stormy relationships with major shifts in thinking about another person such as believing someone is a loyal friend to believing the person is untrustworthy or hurtful it changes very fast this was in 2012 uh, or like back when I started to realize that I start I started to notice that I had something going on because you can't treat a mental disorder or a mental health issue if you're not aware that you have it so if you're depressed you won't be able to treat depression yes unless you're aware that you're depressed if you have unstable relationships you won't be able to treat them unless you realize that they are unstable and you won't be able to. so this is when I just realized that I was struggling with these things and I started to I started like how can I 
how can I express this? How can I make it easier for myself? So I forced myself, and this step was super difficult to just say, um, I struggle with this. Because then when I came to that place, I still shut down. I didn't talk about my emotions in that moment. I didn't do anything. I still got angry or reacted in a horrible way, maybe broke up with someone randomly. I still did that, but I didn't... But I at least warned that person before that this might happen. So this is talking about if you're in the beginning, in the state where you realize that, um, you know, that's something you know that you have some sort of issue, might not know exactly what it is. You don't know if you have borderline, if you're bipolar, if it is anything or if it's just you, you're just in that state right now or if it's just a, an issue. And so I started verbalizing these things and then with that relationship I was with then lasted for six months and then changed like that and then I decided I'm not gonna have a relationship until I feel comfortable being alone so I worked a lot on myself I was in therapy I started working out I changed my bad habits I stopped I wasn't drinking and a lot of things if you suffer mentally then removing stuff like alcohol or drugs if you're using anything or food like overeating shopping those things that you can impulsively abuse if you remove those things and exchange them with good habits like good sleep routine good proper food that's healthy for you and exercise everything's gonna be a lot easier you're still gonna struggle but you're gonna be better equipped to deal with your issues and and pain when when it arrives so that is the first step is changing bad habits but um but yeah i focused on just working on myself and i focused on yeah changing my habits working out but then i stopped drinking but i started working out like crazy so i i wasn't it wasn't perfect. I was still abusing, but this time I was abusing exercise because I worked out 14 hours a week while studying and also working. Like I was just keeping myself busy all the time so I wouldn't be able to feel as much. Stop stopping to drink, then exercise with therapy and things started to look up. And in therapy, I got lots of tools. And that was one thing with the borderline is that you usually feel easily feel abandoned betrayed why does this happen this happens when you expect something and that doesn't happen most of the times when people disappoint you when you have borderline you haven't verbalized what the issue is you haven't verbalized why there why this expectation isn't being met so you have to really realize what you need verbalize that and then communicate that to the people in your life you're in a relationship uh, your partner sit, or is going out uh, I'm going for a little walk or I'm going to meet a friend and then you don't talk to that person but you assume that that person is going to be home for dinner because you know it's a Thursday, so that person is going to be home for dinner. So you make dinner for both of you, and you know, and then that person doesn't get home for dinner, just calls you. It's like, hey babe, I'm going to eat dinner with my friends, I'll be home in two hours. And you hang up. And at that point, when you have borderline, you feel betrayed. You feel like this person disappointed you, this person abandoned you, disrespected you, 
here I am, made dinner for you, made dinner for us. We were gonna have this cozy time. Like I went out and rented a movie, rented a movie. Which 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 year am I living in? I went I went I went out and rented a movie. I got okay. I downloaded a movie movie for us to watch that we have talked about seeing. And you know we were gonna you know I made this nice your favorite dinner. And you're not even coming home. You're out eating with your friends. What the fuck, you asshole? But the thing is. You didn't have any plans. You hadn't verbalized that, hey, you know what, calling or texting, hey, you know what, I really want us to spend some time together. So I, th I was thinking of making your favorite food and getting this movie we talked about seeing. Um, could you be home for dinner so we can do that together? If that person then has the choice to say, no, shit, that sounds amazing. Can we do that tomorrow? But Because right now I'm with my friends and we were talking about eating dinner at this place. Then I can say, all right, or I can say, no, please, I feel really lonely and sad right now. And like, I'm on the verge of like a panic attack and I'm just feeling really shitty. Can you please come home and have this cozy night with me so that we can, so that, you know, I really need this. Can you please? Then the person can then say, all right, I get it. Of course I'll come home. Or that person can say, no, you know what? I really want to hang out with my friends. Like we're going, we're going to do this. I'll see you tomorrow. I'll see you later. If that happens, you've clearly explained you've clearly explained what the issue is and you've said you've opened up being vulnerable and said you know what i feel sad right now i'm having this anxiety i really need you and if you're together yes i would see that as a valid moment to be upset and sad and react to that but in the first example you haven't explained or communicated what you need so you can't assume and expect that other people will know or read your mind so instead of telling the person, hey, this is not okay, we had a deal, you say nothing and torture yourself mentally, we thought. Yeah, but the thing is, we never had a deal. And that's the point. We never had a deal. And that's the difference. Because if you have a deal and that person breaks that deal, yeah, then that person, you might be upset with that person and it's it might be fine if you decide to be angry with that person. But this is a moment where you don't have a deal, you don't have any plans, but since I think, because I think I would have done that in this situation, I would have come home, I would have done this, so I assume that everyone else thinks that or that they know how I'm feeling. And that way, you know, and that's one thing that you really need to do, a thing that you need to focus on is that moment, you need to communicate your expectations, you need to say, and then that person can decide if they think that it's okay or if they don't like it. Because maybe you're not, maybe you don't work out as a couple. If that, like, you might not even work out. But if you're open and really communicate how you work and how it feels, then that person knows how to deal with that. So it's really difficult, but it's it's super difficult. But it's the best. Like communication is your best tool. Identifying emotions, right? That's what I said right now. Take a sip. All right. So you need to find you need to realize where you struggle and like i said and then identify and verbalize what you need you have to be very 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 verbal and sometimes i find that people can find it annoying but you just like i said how do you help people with borderline you listen so if they come to you and explain something listen to what they say because usually they have they might have struggled a lot and really fought to try and get there so for me um, I have an example from this morning, uh, as you you know, my bae, he, my bae, Nico has this, um, this sleeping disorder, so he needs help 
being uh, getting woken up in the morning if he's doing something because he doesn't wake up from alarms he sleeps like a rock and uh, it takes I think it takes a minimum 20 minutes to wake him up and that's with loud music the dog running around on him jumping me like poking him shaking him it still takes like 20 minutes to wake him up so this morning he woke up I was like yes and I could continue working but because of um, first of all because of ADHD if he doesn't properly wake up until he's out of bed I can't really focus on anything else because I know like there's something I have to do this needs to get up he needs to wake up and he um, he woke up and then he started falling asleep again and he just like he held his phone and was closing his eyes and I just turned around and I said you know what you have to wake up because if you want me to the, because I have, have ADHD the only thing I can focus on is like I can't focus on anything until you wake up and if you don't wake up and if I don't manage if I just ignore it and say fuck it like if I don't manage to wake you up I feel so I feel so bad like I feel like I failed you I feel like I disappointed you and if you then miss something you might have that you were gonna do then I feel I feel I, I feel like I, I feel shitty and then it can go into a spiral where I feel really really horrible so just like, please you asked me if I could wake up could you please just go up now so that I don't have to get these emotions later if I fail here because I, I can't deal with that failure that well so that way I just explained exactly I was I was open how I felt I explained it and, and then he can take it make a decision if you know what it doesn't matter I'll just sleep or he said okay fine you know I'll go up so he was like all right I'll watch the I watch some streams then and then after he said okay you know what I'm, I'm gonna I don't have to do the thing I was gonna do anyway so I'll just go back to sleep and then it was fine because first he woke up and he respected what I said and um, and then he also told me that I didn't need to do that anymore so well, if I wouldn't have said it to him, if I wouldn't have explained it to him how that made me feel, and he just doesn't go up, he's just in bed, if I wouldn't be so good, this is how I would, would have reacted otherwise. You know what? You're so fucking disrespectful for not going up. Here I am. I'll spend so much time waking you up, and, and you don't even care. You're, like, so disrespectful. Get out of bed. Like, don't you love me? Don't you, like, you fucking hate me. Like, like and then, you know, it just goes up, and then, you know, even, even worse. And some of those things I can still feel. Like, I can feel, get, like, when I've been doing it for like 20 minutes I'm like no you have to get up I, my time is valuable I can't do this all day I can still get those emotions but I would have instantly before I wouldn't I wasn't able to verbalize any of my emotions so I just got into that defensive mode where I was just no you know what because he didn't go up even though I waked even awake even though I woke him up he was disrespecting me and that's how I would have felt if I hadn't worked so much with learning my trait, like I learn, I've learned my triggers, and it's always it always comes back to verbalize what you're feeling, explain uh, explain things properly. Because if I explain things properly, the other person gets a chance to react to that and change if needed, or tell me, you know what, you're being this isn't like you can't be like this isn't okay for me. And maybe it will lead to a breakup or maybe it will lead to losing a friend but at least you have been true to yourself and you can find people and have people in your life that you can actually relate to and that you can you know get to on a that you can get real relationships with and get on a proper you know proper 
purple proper <laughs> that you can relate to yes that's where I was going with that borderline treatment is therapy it's group therapy and individual therapy I didn't have the same the same treatment I was just in individual therapy because I didn't go to the specific I had I when I got therapy I got therapy for alcohol abuse and also as well as what I was struggling with so they kept me at that place because it was also meant for people who were struggling with some sort of um, substance abuse and normally you would go to this other place in Oslo where they treat you where you get individual therapy and then you have group therapy and you do that twice uh, twice a week for three years I think it is and then you kind of get uh, they write it off they write off or you, they don't you don't get any more treatment after that um, for the borderline program. In Stockholm, it's last it's six months and a year if you're lucky. They just do this and they do the same thing twice a week. And I'm like, you think three? Do you think six months is enough? So I'm a little skeptical in uh, in in the way they treat it in Stockholm. But yeah. Um, but what was my point here? Yes, and when, when you get in there and you started getting your treatment, uh, so when I was in Stockholm, I was going to get the borderline specific treatment, they start looking at what is the problem. And for me in 2017, it was that I was living a very isolated life that was very evolved around who, um, well, at that point, Cucumber, uh, my partner I was living with, and it said, I have started studying and I need to make my life work in an environment where I'll be in social, I will be in social places all the time or like I will have to be social because I'll be in school. And then it's also suffering from strong separation anxiety and a fear of relationships ending, has some struggles with identity and can sometimes change herself to fit the people that she's around tries to shape herself after how other people need her to be and she moves her focus from herself to from herself from myself and move my focus from myself to others i can understand them when they hurt me so if i get to know you and i know all the things you struggle with if there will be a moment when you hurt me i can just be like oh you know what it doesn't matter because he struggles with this and that so i know why he i know why that is like i don't know how, how why he would do that he has the the these and these issues so it's not that weird that he treated me this way and then normalizes and minimizes her own problems and emotions and there are many of these things that i still do I'm like i got the i got i got treatment I didn't get treated or because the biggest issue for me ended up to be ADHD because I was never in any sort of relationship so I didn't struggle I was never in new relationships I didn't struggle that much but I still when I read this this is from you know, 2017 and it's still the same way I live in a I live a very isolated life I really struggle with being social and I a lot of things evolve or surround my partner who I live with and um, I still have, don't have as much of the separation anxiety, but it's still there. Um, and I still analyze people when I meet them, try to understand them. And then if they, and if they're assholes, I understand why and I don't get angry. Where are the areas we struggle the most? 
that can be anything but be really honest you don't have to tell this to someone else you can do this just with yourself and if you're going to start this out without having help already you need to you need to be friend you need to be nice to yourself or you need to really look at and be honest what strengths do you have what where are you already good so and if you notice that you're saying I don't have anything good about me I'm not doing anything well or you suck at everything well then you can put that down as one of your issues you can write that down as one of your problems that you're being very you're being very negative towards yourself you don't have any self-worth or you don't see any self-worth you don't have it but you don't see any worth any self-worth and you put that down as one of your problems and then you need to find goals as well and here I had I wanted to have um feel safe safe in my relationship and I want to be able to keep relationships and find a balance in activities and a good better control over impulses and to be able to sit and um you know just accept my feelings and be my feelings and feel a sense of security in my identity and that's one thing that I am noticed now I haven't read this in a while um that I feel very secure, very secure in my identity. I feel, I don't stress over my identity. Sometimes I feel, oh, I go, I miss being a bigger part of the LGBTQ community. I miss identifying as a lesbian. I miss this and that. But now instead, I don't, I don't really. Now I am, I read the book, The Power of Now, and there, the things that we identify as are part of what the author refers to as ego. Things we identify as are things that we don't really need. What we need is to be able to be present in the moment and in this moment we don't really have to, we don't have to identify with anything. I don't have to, you know, so I feel a lot more secure. I feel that I don't look for an, an identity, I try to just exist instead of trying to fit in into a certain way. It's before I used to be a lesbian, a vegan, a straight edge, you know, uh, a lot of things. Now I try to eat vegan food most of the time, but sometimes I eat cheese doodles, sometimes I eat cheese. I eat fish sometimes don't eat any other meat than fish but i do eat i have eaten some cheese sometimes lately before i used to hate myself for that i used to take put myself down and be very negative and go no that's not right blah 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 now instead of looking at the things i do wrong i focus on the things i do right if i eat mostly vegan food i focus on the mostly vegan food i eat if i work if i work on my health and my mental health most of the times then i don't focus on all the times that i fail or all the times that i might i try at least sometimes i obviously end in in ways where i just focus on the negative but that's one really important thing that you need to you need to to do you need to focus on what you're doing good so find the good things that you do and really focus on them as I mentioned before, I struggled with being open, I struggled with communicating, I struggled with 
being you know sharing what I was feeling right now in this moment because I'm really good at talking about what I've done in the past what I've struggled with with the past things that I've experienced but things that I've experienced that's actually one thing that have made people think that I'm very open and no, and I don't struggle with getting people close because I share a lot of things from my past and people see that as me being very vulnerable and open but I see my past as a movie I talk about something that happened it doesn't exist anymore it's just something in the past so what I have experienced that, that's nothing that gives me pain if I if I struggled in my childhood that doesn't give me pain every day it's nothing I don't I think is difficult to talk about because I don't live right now I don't live then it's just a story that I can tell and what I struggle with is expressing what I feel right now and really feel it right now and I don't struggle with that as much anymore as you if you listen to some of my podcasts uh, when I've been crying there I don't struggle as much uh, with that as I used to but that's uh, one thing when I was when me and Cucumber started dating I really focused we came to a point I remember a night very very specifically we were going to watch a movie and we were or watch something or play a game and we couldn't decide what game to play or what movie to watch and no one wanted to make the decision because we both had very strong feelings towards certain movies so if i said i want to say oh i want to watch lord of the rings and he says no that's a shit movie then i feel like he tells me i'm shit because i like lord of the rings so then i start crying because i feel like shit and we were both sitting there not being able to decide because no one wanted to choose and then we ended up both just crying and we're like oh what a fun fun friday night we're supposed to watch a movie and eat some chips and here we are crying because no we can't choose which movie to watch and in those moments i really worked on thinking what's happening why do i feel this anxiety why do i feel so much pain and at some points i managed to express you know what i'm a f when you tell me that you don't like a movie that i like it feels like you're criticizing me and not the movie and i force myself to say those things and it's really difficult forced myself to say that and every time we were in we had issues we did that both of us we just forced ourselves to be open in that way and just say when you said this thing to me it made me feel sad because it made me feel less of a person because of this and that reason and we both really worked with that and it was really that really made it work was work for a really long time and the more we did that, the more we verbalized those things, the less dramatic moments we had. We used to fight every other weekend. We used to have a really big dramatic fight with tears. And But every time we had those fights, we didn't shy away. We were open. We gave each other some space. When we were raging, we ended up leaving each other alone. And then after maybe an hour, we always, um, one of us always took the first step and said, hey, can, I, can we talk? And then when we have calmed down, we express the emotion. So that's another thing that I wrote down for this. And that was, um, take a step back. <sighs> take a step back. If you notice that you're starting to feel a very strong emotion, if you notice that things are escalating, please 
love yourself enough to stop and just say no and just end that cycle of destruction and just take a step back i don't have to lash out right now i don't have to get angry i don't have to scream i don't have to retort if someone says something hurtful for, to you you don't have to be hurtful back you can just simply listen to what they're saying i talked about this with the podcast with uh, when i was talking to Aula, my sister and it was i mentioned the stare and the stare or the escalator is a way to understand your anxiety levels and some people may think that all anxiety is same level of anxiety but through hard work you can actually determine that some levels of anxiety are different and some moments some levels of pain are there there are different levels of pain and we're gonna group all of it up into calling it anxiety even if it might not be anxiety it might be anger or something else so you need to look at how many how many stairs how many steps on the stairs is is there maybe five steps five steps of the stair and the first step on the stair is the lowest amount of anxiety where it's bearable maybe you're at work but you can you can still be at work you get anxiety but you can still stay at work or you're at school you can still be there that's level one you can still function with daily activities but you have this not very great feeling that you have um that's that's the that's in stair one and try and find what triggers this is there anything that triggers it can you determine what triggers it some people have general anxiety they don't know what triggers it but we're talking about with borderline it's they're usually things that trigger you um, you can also have general anxiety but they're usually things that trigger you and maybe if you have general anxiety you're always on level one so you always have anxiety you don't know why but you're all you always have and then something might trigger you and you go up to the second step of the stair which is level two and this might be you might still function but it's a lot more difficult and if you don't manage to get yourself down from level two it's gonna go up to level three where it's not you can't maybe you have to step into the bathroom and cry at work or you have to go away you can't really focus you just have to go and take a moment and so in level two it, it it's bearable but not really bearable it's it's starting to go over to a place where it might escalate and you need to define and you have level five is the worst this is where basically you have a panic attack you cry you feel like you want to kill yourself you just everything is there's no no point in life anymore that's the max level and realizing what those triggers what triggers these massive emotions what triggers these strong emotions is a good way because then you are prepared you can see okay this is something that might trigger it i can either i can prepare by having a, some tools ready having a person i love with me or caring or you know when you've identified the triggers or when you've tend to sorry when you have identified the different stages of anxiety you need to find tools how can you get down from each level and it's in the beginning you're always like no there's nothing when i'm there i'm just there 
and that's another thing you, if you are gonna do this work and you want to get better and find help you have to decide that you have control and that you can change any state and if you can't change that state accept that you are in that state don't accept that this is gonna don't think that this is gonna last forever just know that this is happening accept that it is happening and that it will pass we put too much identification in our sadness and that keeps us in sadness. For the longest time, I identified as a person that was depressed or a person that had this and that was sad. So when I was faced with happiness, I did something to keep the sadness going so I wouldn't lose, I wouldn't lose my identity. But I don't want to identify as a sad person. I don't want to identify as a person with issues. But every time I meet someone, if I'm portraying that I'm good, if I'm portraying that I'm healthy, and if I'm portraying that I'm happy, and even if I am, it's not just something I'm portraying, if it's this is who I am right now, when they tell me about their problems, I feel left out. I feel like I don't have worth. I feel like I'm not interesting anymore because there's no depth to me. Because when I get relationships, I put value in their pain. If you don't have pain, if you don't have, if you haven't experienced pain, you're not as worthy, or you don't as smart, you're not as interesting and intelligent as people who have experienced pain. I'm not saying that this is a fact. I'm saying that this is how I have felt and how I still struggle. This is something I still struggle with. That also attracts toxic relationships because if I don't find people who are healthy interesting i'm only going to attract and look for people who are unhealthy because those are the people that i find find interesting and that's something with we we put too much value and we identify we we love our darkness so much and we need to accept we need to release ourselves from that the identification that we 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 are like we need to release ourselves from that and don't identify with pain Struggle is a great tool to push you forward and through and pain is a great tool to push you through and forward but It's also something that Keeps us holds us back because if we identify with it, it keeps us it's holy it, It's gonna keep us back. It's gonna hold us back if we identify with it because we can't Truly release ourselves and be present in a moment if we stay we stick on and hold on to pain from the past so i'm going into a ramble i want to keep track what was i talking about the different levels of pain right so if you are at level five and you don't know how to get down from there and you feel like there's nothing that you can do maybe there is nothing you can do at this moment but if you sit and feel everything and if you sit with it it will pass and you will get through to the other side and one of my most painful things and it's difficult not to cry when I think about it is that my way to get down from level 5 anxiety my highest form of anxiety was running and getting out if I really felt like I can't bear like I can't sit here everything's hurting and I feel like I'm, I, I, I can't do this anymore I just put on my shoes and I went out running but I can't just run five kilometers or three kilometers I had to run for at least an hour 
for me to get like feel free and feel released after an hour when i had run for an hour and i keep going i go over a 10 I go over 10 kilometers when i get above that distance i start being present in the moment the first hour is usually oh this is painful oh uh, oh my god it's just been five kil kilometers oh it's so much left oh oh it's just heavy and i'm i'm in physically i'm in present in, in that I'm, I'm feeling a different kind of pain i'm feeling the physical toll that it is to run and my my anxiety is being released but when i get above that 10 kilometers you get to this point where oh, you know what i can do this forever you just feel like you can do this forever and then you can be present fully present in a moment and i just see everything and i see nature and i f smell the trees and i hear birds everywhere I just everything i feel like i become one with earth and at that moment i also realize a lot of things about myself what i realized i had all that anxiety why did that anxiety arrive oh shit it was because of that reason and everything just releases and i get this oh so that's oh this is what i need to do and then when i i get inspired and motivated and then when i get back home i'm just oh i'm filled with endorphins that were released because of the exercise and i'm filled with motivation because i've realized you know all of these things about myself and i'm physically tired because i've been running for so long and i'm just contempt and with adhd my brain finally also relaxed because i've had so much physical activity that my brain stops for a moment when i'm running is the moment where i don't have a million thoughts going at the same time which is what adhd is it's just thinking 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 and never stopping it's just going all the time and in that moment i'm just free and that used to be what took me down from level five and now one of the reasons i peak up to level five is because i can't run because i have so many injuries that every time i try to motivate myself to work out and every time i try to motivate myself to get stronger and and you know you know what i can do this anyway i start running and i do it the right way i i, I stretch i use my trigger point ball i use the foam roller i i do like 20 minutes yoga before i go out running and then i do it after like i really work and then i slip up one day and i get really in the moment and just run and then i get sent back like months of work and i can't walk for three days because my foot is hurting or this is hurting and it just peaks me where i'm like the only thing i want to do is run it's, i just want to run a half marathon and that's one thing that i'm still struggling with that i can't i don't have I don't have that perfect tool anymore to get down from level five but it wasn't even just getting down it was getting down from level five to a good state and then getting energy to stay in a good state for a long time and know what i need to fix and improve so that's one of my still my biggest struggles and pains is that so for me getting down from level five usually right now is journaling or recording podcast i have gone to moments where i sit and i'm i start to shake i, I you know i feel my panic attack growing I, I'm, I'm shaking and i i i can't breathe and if i just stay there i'm just gonna i'm gonna have a panic attack so instead i grab this 
beautiful, beautiful notebook, uh, which one of my best friends gave to me when she was in India. She bought it, and it's these really old papers, or not old papers, but it feels like you know, like real, real paper. It almost feels like a, a like it feels like like uh, uh, what's it called fabric it doesn't feel like paper it feels like fabric it's really thick paper and it's a little damp it's you can see these little little markings in it it's not completely white it's, it's color it's some sort of beige color and i take that book and i just write down exactly what i feel and it's usually really painful to write in this book because you know i really tap into i really tap into what what i'm feeling which i'm which i'm trying to suppress but my body is just releasing it through anxiety so i write and i cry and i just cry and that's usually how i get down from level five these days crying but journaling first and sometimes i've done when i've been almost at level five or or there i've i did have a, a podcast i think it's an episode called I think it's the one that's working through pain while in pain or something like that I think it's called because then I was I think that's the one where I see very upset and uh, yeah and it's really it's really that for me so I don't have my running but at least I have that and it's something um, I have another tool when I get really angry when I get to this point where something angers me so much and it can be uh, uh, something that's been triggered by if now in my current relationship if I'm going to bed and I feel something triggering and we start to and and I feel maybe I don't feel heard I don't feel seen I feel abandoned the the usual thing <laughs> where it spins around and then I get into this mode where oh it doesn't matter if he doesn't care I don't care and usually I feel like drinking or self-harming in that moment. I'm just like, it, nothing matters. I'm just going to go and do this and that and harm myself. And instead, I said, like, nope, I'm going to play Overwatch. So Overwatch has so much adrenaline. It gives me adrenaline. When I'm that angry, it gives me adrenaline. Sometimes I do lash out on people online. If you don't know what Overwatch is, it's a, it's a game. Um, but since I'm recording this podcast on Twitch, I assume everyone knows what Overwatch is. But Overwatch is a game, first-person shooter, and it's a very competitive game. And sometimes when I'm in this state, I do lash out on people online. I, I might get really triggered, but most of the time, I don't. Most of the time, I get into the game, I mute everything so I can't hear people in voice chat, I can't read what they're writing to me, and I just play. And I just really get focused. And then when I've played maybe one or two games, which is 10 to 20 minutes each game, when I'm done with that, that level, I think it's level three when I get angry. That anxiety or level, my level three, I, because uh, that's on the verge. Either I, man I deal with it and that's Overwatch, or I go out and pick a fight with someone and just escalate up until I get to level four and five where I get semi-psychotic. So uh, when I'm at that, stage I just play overwatch if I'm alone if I'm in a fight and I notice that I get up to level three where I see this is my three is my turning point either I'm gonna tip over and start saying mean things start saying things I don't regret putting a lot of putting I make myself into a victim when I get above three and I go into four 
that's when I become the victim and that's where I make everything about me and how everyone else is you know wronging being wronging me yeah I make myself into a victim and everything is the other person's fault and I'm not good enough and I twist all words and it gets really frustrating in that moment so I, n I don't want to have it I rarely get into that moment because I always stop myself before because I know now when I start feeling that anger I start feeling that I'm being persecuted or being you know that's when i oh, i need to change this so if i'm fighting with someone i need a break i just need to nope i need to go and usually i take the dog and go for a walk and put on either music or a podcast really angry music um i usually try to not put on my cry songs my sad songs put on really angry music or put on a podcast or i put on my meditation music which is uh uh which is from oh what is he what is he called Krishna Das. Um, I listen to his his music and that really gets me that can calm me down. It, but I usually if I'm in a fight I just break off and I walk out. I, I need a break. Because if I don't that's you know. It's tough though if you're actually in in an argument and the other person wants to say their part and you just say, No, you know what? Stop. I can't anymore. That's if the other person is also on a high anxiety level, high place and that's there, they're gonna have the same reaction and they might pull you down and start pulling you into that fight. And if none of you are strong enough to stop it, that's when it clashes. And I'm not calling physical violence, but I mean, it can escalate to that. I've never been, I've only had one experience with what we could call physical violence, but it wasn't really. I'd, I've never been in a fight, never had any, any abusive relationships like that. But I've had fights where we have uh, been in a relationship where we haven't been able to stop and we start throwing things. So that's aggressive. That's aggressive. That's a form of physical violence, but you don't harm the other person. And having the other person you're you're fighting with hitting a wall or smashing a keyboard or stuff like that, you. In those moments, you no one has been able to get down from that level. So it's really important that you manage to identify what your triggers are, how does it feel in your body, and what can you do to stop that. For me right now, it's just Overwatch, Overwatch or a walk. When you're at this at this stage, you need to distract yourself so that you don't get yourself or someone else get you into the other stages of anxiety. So you need to find good tools. It's not good to always distract yourself and to always avoid things then that's gonna have a negative impact but it's when you're in these very intense moments it's okay to find distractions it's okay to get your mind because you're get your mind off it because your mind is in many cases the the enemy so many negative thoughts that doesn't need to be there so many things that your mind your thought patterns that just escalate things so if you're sitting in a moment where you're having a fight with someone else and you start thinking he doesn't understand he doesn't understand he doesn't love me then that those are your thoughts those don't necessarily reflect the truth or what's going on right now they're just just fictions it's, yeah it's just fiction it's just ugh. it's okay to find distractions and use things are outside of you as tools to get your mind into a more positive state sometimes you need to totally get wrapped into something else it's not okay to use alcohol or drugs to get yourself out of that 
to use that as a way to distract yourself. It's not healthy and I definitely don't I don't tell you to, you know, oh, I'm feeling upset and angry, so I'm gonna go get all my boys and go out and drink and party. That's not healthy, and that should not be one of the tools you use to get out of anxiety. You know, so that should not be the way. You should find other ways. I'm in a good flow. I don't think I say like very often. Usually when I do the live podcast, I say like, 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 like. I don't think I've said like that often today. Oh, yes, another thing. Listen. Not to me, but in general, listen. Really listen. That's one thing that I've gotten really good at. Before I was good at saying, you know, expressing how I felt and saying and maybe even pointing out what the other person was doing to wrong me and make me sad. But when I notice when I'm in an argument with someone I'm close to, when I'm in a relationship with someone, if I notice that we get stuck in this, but you did this, you did that, I stop and I, I just listen. I say, okay. And the, I let the person explain. And I listen. And if that person tells me that I did something that hurt them, I can't take that away from that person. Even if I don't agree, even if I'm not wrong in what I did, that person still got hurt. So how can we avoid that? Is there, is there a way to avoid that? And and sometimes it can be very extreme moments, so I don't... Maybe we shouldn't find a way to avoid that person getting hurt, but finding a way for that person to be able to deal with those situations because the thing that happened wasn't a big deal if you understand most people they don't listen they wait to answer and they wait to retort they wait to come with a witty answer and they want their everything is a competition but it's you will grow so much if you just say okay you listen and you say okay you know what I'm sorry I did that. I'm sorry that made you feel that way. I really am. I don't want to hurt you. How can we avoid this happening in the future? That way you have listened and you don't come with, you know what, but I did that because you did this thing first. That was a dog. Doesn't matter who started. What matters is one or both people in this relationship are hurt and you need to find a way that you can get past this hurt. No matter who's right, no matter who's wrong, you need to find ways to communicate properly and to move forward. It will be easier and easier and easier to find <laughs> how to not fuel the fire. It's gonna be easier. The longer you do this, the, the more you practice this awareness of your emotions and how it affects you and other people, the more you practice that, the more you're gonna be able to not fuel the fire when something happens. So, for example, with my Overwatch example, for example, no, but with my Overwatch example, when I feel I start getting angry, before I always, I e used to either go out drinking or I used to instigate fights by pointing out, you did this, you did that, uh, 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 why do you do that, don't you like me? Now instead, I just take a break, nope. I uh, I play Overwatch. 
or I or I go out for a walk. I, I do yoga. I force myself to do things that are good. For, Overwatch isn't really good for me, but it's the easiest tool. It's my lazy tool. If I'm feeling that I have a little bit more, I do yoga, and then that's a struggle. But I do it because I don't really enjoy yoga. But I know I feel better afterwards, or you know, I I take that walk. It's not the easiest. If and then I let myself. Actually, that's Overwatch is a way for me to that where I let myself, where I'm nice to myself, instead of always doing the best thing, like yoga, I say, you know what, Overwatch is not the best, it's kind of a toxic game, it might give me more toxicity, but it's going to get me through this extremely difficult time that I'm having right now, so I will do that anyway, I'll play that. So, yeah, you don't fuel the fire, don't go out and start that fight, but if you do, if you actually do that, and you get yourself up to level four on this on the stair. If you have a tool to get yourself down from level four, then you might be able to do some damage control and stop yourself from going to level five. And the same if you get to level five. Now that you actually have a tool to get down, it's gonna still gonna be easier. And if you do fuel that fire, don't pick on yourself afterwards. Just accept it. Okay, that happened. And then you can always analyze why was it so difficult for me to stop this time? Why did I keep going? Why did I instigate? Why did I why did I keep going? And maybe if you're a female or a woman, maybe you're you're PMSing. Maybe it's actually that time of the month. I struggle a lot more when I'm when my right before my period. I struggle and I don't have the same ability to control my impulses. Usually I can manage to control my my uh, my reactions with people, but I eat a lot instead. So I can't control my my impulse control that it goes on on eating instead that I obsessively eat. So, but then you know, and then you can. It's always analyze everything you do, but also give you some space to relax and always be proud of the things that you do. Because that's another issue, especially with, not only with Borderline, but with everyone is... We talked about this in the sobriety episode as well. When we were talking about sobriety, we talked about... If, you, if you've been sober for two and a half years or two years, and then you drink for four months, you hate yourself. Oh my god, I, was, I drank for four months and well, it was shitty. And you focus on those four months instead of accepting those two or three years or ten years where you were sober or when you didn't do so we need to focus more on the positive things that we do because we always end up with nitpicking on the negative things and we need to focus on the positive instead of the things we've actually accomplished so yeah i think that's it for this week's episode i hope you found it helpful and i'm so sorry about the fan in the background i was recording this uh live when i was streaming and it was at a time where it was 30 degrees outside and even warmer inside. If there's anything you didn't understand or anything else you want me to go more in depth on, please reach out to me through social media or any of the ways that are linked in the description. Um, but yeah, thank you for listening. Have an amazing day and week.